and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is David Nidorf. Now, David portrayed Everett in Hoosiers. He played Dennis Hopper's son. He talks about getting the role. He was the only actor on the team. Everyone else had no acting experience. They were all from Indiana. David was not. He talks about filming some of the memorable scenes, working with Gene Hackman, and just the legacy of the movie. Also, back in 1986, he starred in Platoon. He played Tex. Movie won Best Picture. It was written and directed by Oliver Stone. Talks about working with Oliver, also the production of the movie. The following year, he got his first lead in the movie Undercover. It was produced by the Canon Group. Great documentary if you want to watch it about the, the Canon Group. It's fantastic. David played alongside Jennifer Jason Lee in one of her earlier roles. David also had a turn down a role in a John Hughes movie. He tells us which movie that was. And David has the distinction of being the only actor to be in two of the AFI's top 10 sports movies, Hoosiers and Paul Durham. He played the pitcher Bobby. Talk about that as well. David, really nice guy. He fills in what he's up to these days. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So David, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Happy to be here, Noel. Where are you? Just out of curiosity. Sure, I'm actually in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. getting getting ready for a snowstorm that's supposed to come overnight. So yeah, was, we just we just had one ourselves in Bent. A yeah, bit of a storm. We hadn't had snow for about a month. So. Okay. Yeah, it was 65 degrees here yesterday, and then we're gonna get like 12 inches tomorrow. So I mean, yeah, go yeah, figure. Yeah. You know, no. go go figure. <laughs> we we yeah. had that same kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how has like the last two years been like for you with like the COVID situation? Uh, you know, we live on 10 acres. We live in an isolated place. No one in my family. I have a fully grown daughter in LA, two daughters, a 17 and 11 year old here in Bend that have grown up here in Bend. And we haven't got it and we've been pretty, pretty isolated and we're all boosted up. And so, you know, it's been tough. Like, right. you know, I need to travel for work. I'm in property management. That's been harder okay. to do. And uh, we've kind of struggled through it like everybody else. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's either people have really suffered or people have like thrived. You know, it's right. It's crazy during the time. Yeah, yeah. Business is good. You know, right. business has rebounded for me. And, That's good. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. Hard on the kids. Right. No, I know. It's always the, the kids. It's always, yeah. I, I got three myself and it's yeah. been, it's, it's been interesting to say the least, you know? Yeah. 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 So um, when did you uh, like officially retire from acting? Uh, probably the last role I did was in 1991. And then I might've decided a few years after that, that was an incredible movie. It was a movie of the week called In the Line of Duty. Oh, yeah. And it had Chris Cooper, Marsha Gay Harden, Cloris Leachman, John Anderson. I mean, it had a phenomenal cast. And then I decided, you know, I had fun making that thing and I'm just going to call it a day. I'm going right. to go out on a high note. And yeah. Brian Dennehy was the star. OK. He, you know, he's a little grumpy, a little grouchy, but, you know. Right. Uh, we were antagonists in the movie. He was a bad guy. Yeah. I was actually the good guy. Right. Uh, so, you know, we didn't need to be too friendly. Yeah. I mean, like of all the movies you've worked on, they've had amazing cats. 
So, I mean, this, the amount of like quality actors and actors you worked with, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, it's fun. You know, that, that's the fun part. Uh, when you get to work with really talented actors, even, even like Kevin Costner, a really talented film actor, and to be close to different kinds of actors who are very different, like Willem Dafoe is very different than Tom Berenger. Right. Very different. But they both had an effective approach to their craft. And so, yeah, when you work with great people, that's fun to watch and participate in. Yeah. You mentioned those two. So we'll, we'll start with Platoon because that was your yeah. first movie, correct? Yeah. yeah. No, it's Hoosiers was my Hoosiers first, first. Okay. And then Platoon was my second. Right. Okay. So it's not a bad, you know, uh, not a, first not two bad movies. out of the gate. And yeah. they were made by the same company, Hemdale. Okay. So they knew me. Now I can tell you, uh, kind of a funny story. I almost got fired from Platoon before I even started. Oh, really? Yeah. So Hemdale was the company that made Hoosiers. I was the only actor in, you know, that, and I hadn't done any jobs. That was my first job, but the other guys were just kids from Indiana. So I was going to be part of SAG and they had to pay me for a two week rehearsal period, but they decided not to pay the other actors for Mm -hmm. that rehearsal period. And when we got our first paychecks, like which was for $1,500, we thought we were on top of the world (laughs) than we'd ever made. But they saw that my check, the total amount was bigger than theirs because I got paid for rehearsal. So they asked me why. And I said, well, don't say anything, but, you know, I got paid for the rehearsal period. You guys probably should get paid, which was worth about $20,000 to the production company. Okay. So they went in and they said something and they got paid. So the production manager, Graham Henderson, this English guy, hated me because <laughs> he knew it was me that said something. Right. So he called up Oliver after he saw my name on the cast list and tried to get me fired. Oh, wow. So Oliver called me up and said, you know, what the fuck are you going on? Are you going to make trouble for me on my movie? And I said, Oliver, I didn't start it. They started it. You know, they should have paid those kids. And no, I'm not going to make trouble. You have my word. So I calmed him down. And I said, the reason why you hired me is because I'm a little bit of, you know, I stir the pot a little bit. I get it going on. I mean, you didn't hire me to be a nice guy, but I'm not going to make trouble on your movie. I don't care what happens. The other actors have to look out for themselves. So it was funny. I I mean, that's what happened. Right. I mean, it's a tough movie. You know, I I recently watched it. And I mean, it's an extraordinary movie, obviously, one best picture and stuff like that. But I mean, it's it's a tough movie. It, It stays with you and it should. It's about the yeah, it's, more. It was tough to watch the first yeah. time, you know. Right. Well, but it's well, different when you're in it and you see yourself you right. kind of giggle. You never like I, no actor that I know likes watching themselves. Right. In in the movie. They just don't like yeah. my face does that when I look at yeah. it. Like <laughs> right. nobody nobody likes watch. So it's different for me to watch yeah. it. Now years later, I'll I don't watch it very often, but I'll yeah. catch pieces of it to look right. at it and you know. Now it's very different. It's I don't have an emotional attachment to any work that I did. It happened so long oh, ago. Good. I can look at it more objectively. Right now, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, where did they, where did they shoot that movie? We were based in Manila. Okay. To start, then we went in the jungle. We were probably about a two-hour to three-hour ride outside of Manila, something like that. And then when we shot the movie, we were based in a beach resort town called Puerto Azul that was a little bit closer to the jungle 
So it wasn't a bad place to, to stage. I mean, it was a resort. There was yeah. the ocean. There was a pool. You know? Yeah. It was fun. Uh, and a lot, of, like you mentioned, with a lot of great actors in that one, you know, mentioned William Defoe and Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, you can keep going on, you know. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Whitaker, Whitaker, John C. Yeah, Mark Moses. Todd, yeah. All the, David. All the, I mean, a lot. Kevin Dillon. A lot of yeah. guys did really well after that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any of those guys like kind of behind behind the scenes that you kind of were like drawn to? That that I liked a lot? Yeah, that you hung out with. Yeah, well, uh, I was a little bit, you know, isolated I, because I was young and it, I wanted my character to be a certain way. Right. Um, but I was kind of taken by Willem Dafoe. He, t- he told some good stories <laughs> and led has led a very interesting life. He was right. in avant-garde theater in New York. You know, and he has that, you know, time, yeah. Willem, that slow. Right. I, I liked Willem. He told he told the best stories. I right. Now and he, I he, like Berenger back then, although, yeah. you know, uh, he's a pretty vociferous conservative dude. I'm not. Yeah. After the fact, you know. Right. Not, not you, you know, I don't see eye to eye with him. Right. I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I'm sure like back then politics didn't really matter as much as they no do one, now. No one no cared. One yeah. You know, and that's the way we have to get back to. We have to stop, you know, shouting and screaming at each other. I mean, I have what I believe, you have yeah. what you believe. You know, yeah. I, I'm with you. But no one talked politics back right. then. It never yeah. came up, not a right. single time. Yeah. Yeah, you, so, you, you can't have conversations with people anymore. Everything is just screaming. You, no, you're you're wrong. Yeah. I'm right. And it's just like, come on. There's right. two sides to every argument. Let's yeah, let's present them. You can talk, have conversations. But I'm a centrist. My I'm a centrist guy. I see the validity yeah. on both sides. Right. Some things I really don't care for, but you know. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like social way. media is kind of like ruined a lot of the things as well. I agree. You know, I got off Facebook yeah. for that. Right. You, know, you, you hide behind. Was a, there was a Marine that trained us for platoon rock Galati. And so all his friends are like ex-military. And when in 2016, before the Trump election, when everyone was going crazy on social media, I might have had a whiskey or two and then started <laughs> arguing with some of Rock's friends who were like ex-Navy SEALs. And he was like, he DM me like, dude, you know, that's one of my most lethal friends. You might want to <laughs> so much. Right. But, you know, when's the last time you changed someone's opinion on Facebook? You spend all that time arguing. You never change someone's opinion. Yeah. Like, why are you? So I got off it entirely. Don't miss it. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. I don't post political stuff. I don't get into that. I just post family pictures and stuff. Ex- like exactly. That. You know, it's, it's good. You- that's what I do. Post pictures of your family and your dog and, you know, yeah, exactly. a couple silly stories from the onion yeah. and then you're good to go. You know, exactly. it's, 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 it's pretty much it. Yeah. How, how long was the shoot? Or how long did it last? Yeah. Or for you? Well, you- I, the rehearsal period was two weeks. And then, you know, I was, he shot it in sequence because okay. Oliver did something uh, really smart by shooting it in sequence. Like the first people that get killed, the casualties, um, those people leave the country. Okay. And so the platoon starts shrinking down. And John McGinley right. in a documentary that my friend Paul made called Brothers in Arms, which is on Amazon Prime. So it might be still for free. I'm right. not sure to watch it. Uh, John McGinley talks about that being like the last one. He played Sergeant O'Neill. Yeah. 
in the bar by himself, you know, because everyone had left. Right. I think it probably was a 10 week shoot, if I had to guess, no more than 10 to 12 weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's because his reaction at the end of the movie, when he realizes he's staying there for the second platoon, it's just like, it's yeah. heartbreaking. You feel bad. He's like a prick in the whole movie, but yeah, you, yeah. you kind of feel bad for him at, at the end there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was great. He, I'm still friends with Johnny C. Oh, he's great. a very, very good actor. I yeah. like watching him. Oh, he's great. You know? yeah. And uh, yeah. So yeah. about 12 weeks. Right. Okay. And uh, how was uh, Oliver Stone? as a director uh oliver's crazy i mean you know <laughs> he he likes to poke his finger in your eye yeah and get you really riled up and pissed off and then film your reaction right okay so you know like when i was doing my uh ambush scene where my arm got blown up yeah so you know you have to crawl around it has to be set. they're gonna you know they didn't tell me they're gonna blow off a little thing right by my head I was friends with the special effects guy. We did another movie together later called Empire of the Sun, Eve DeBono. I'm like, dude, you mother effer. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you didn't tell me. Yeah. But Oliver was, it was just riding me, you know. And finally, like, I turned around and said, would you shut the F up and just let me concentrate on what I'm doing? Yeah. And, you know, he kind of pouted. Like, Oliver is a classic bully. Right. You know, and so when you punch him back in the nose, you know, he doesn't yeah. like that and he pops like a little baby, but you know, he's very talented and uh you know, he has a particular style that's very alienating to some people. Uh yeah. I remember arguing with John Malkovich on Empire of the Sun because his friend Terry Kinney right. went to audition for Oliver and Oliver was on the phone talking and totally ignored his friend during the audition <laughs> and then dismissed him. And he got upset. I said, but your friend walked into the meeting knowing that Oliver's reputation is a mile long and will do something like that, right? So don't walk into the meeting if that's if you don't want to deal with that. And right. if you do walk in, at least have a strategy. Yeah. Like if you're really offended by that, flip him the bird and walk out. Yeah. Like, you know, plant your flag. Right. I mean, he'll probably laugh. If you plant your flag, he'll probably laugh and hire you. You know, he hired me on the spot. He said, I'll see you in, in Manila. Oh. So, you know, he's a tough, tough yeah. guy to answer your question. He's a tough guy. He threatened Willem. Like we, we came back from rehearsal and we were pretty mm-hmm. salty. We had been in the jungle sleeping in holes in the ground for two weeks. Right. With no showers, eating MREs. Yeah. And the first day of filming, Oliver wanted us to sleep outside. And Willem was like, no, no, no. We're going to go back to our hotels and yeah. sleep. Like, we've got this. Right. We just spent two weeks in the jungle. We, like, we know how to get to that place. And he pulled Willem aside and he's, you know, tongue lashed him and said, you know, this, this is on you and you better not F up my movie. Oh. He just really likes to put the pressure on. Right. But I wasn't bothered by it personally. I, yeah. You know, to me, he was like Snidely Whiplash, like a cartoon villain. <laughs> I didn't take him all. I didn't take his bark all that seriously. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I needled him one time. I got him good one time in the cobra scene. I don't know if you remember when the cobra kind of goes up when Charlie's walking through the jungle. Yeah. Well, that was a real cobra. Now I'm pretty sure that they have 
the venom taken out. I'm not right. telling you that for sure. But sure. I think so. Right. So they have a little Thai snake handler. They got the co- he gets the cobra out of the basket. Mm-hmm. The cobra does its thing, and then cobras are fast. It started slithering away towards the camera area. Jeez. Now I was off to the right watching them film, and all of a sudden you see like 30 people just hauling ass away from the camera area, <laughs> right? like the whole crew. Right. And Oliver too. And I came up and I whispered to him, I go, I don't, I saw what you did, you coward, you big coward. You ran away from the snake. And he kind of grumbled at me. Right. Oh, boy. So, you know, you got to push back a little bit. Yeah. Against a guy like Oliver. Right. And in a movie like that, everyone, I guess, should be on edge anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. And we were. Right. We were. Yeah. 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 Before I get to, Hoosiers. I want to talk about Undercover, and I don't know yes. how many people have, have seen have seen that <laughs> classic. Um, you know, a, a Canon Group, you know, production. Yeah. You know, which I'm sure you've seen the uh, documentary. About. Uh, someone who was writing a book about the history of Canon yeah. and called me, but I haven't seen the documentary. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 fun because there's so many you know great movies that Canon did that you know that stick yeah. out. Yeah, those guys pioneered and mastered the art of pre-selling a movie. What they would do right. is. They wanted like they started out low budget movies, kind of yeah. like Undercover. Right. And they went around the world and they pre-sold it. So let's say the budget on Undercover was really small, like two or three million dollars. They go and sell it for like three or four or five million dollars, and yeah. they made a profit before they right. yeah. even got the movie. That's how they yeah. survived. And then yeah, they you know, the business changed, and yeah. they started trying to make bigger movies. The problem is those little independent companies just don't have enough money. Right. To withstand making a couple that belly flop. Yeah, yeah, they, like they, they talk about a big that. one with Sil- Sylvester Stallone over the top. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that movie. Oh yeah, totally. He got nine million dollars for that movie, which was huge back then. And the story, and he yeah. wanted it in all cash, all hundred dollar bills. <laughs> and so they supposedly delivered him millions of dollars right. in hundred dollar bills. bills. And they asked him, "Hey Sly, would you know if any money were was missing?" And he looked in the camera and goes oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 they also had a uh, superman 4 i remember they they, they made oh, they that did one superman yeah 4? they did yeah. that one that yeah. was kind of their downfall is trying to step up and right and make different you know more yeah. sort of bigger right. movies yeah yeah so how much fun was that movie making for you? that, that, that was... was not my most fun i was a little okay. insecure i wasn't ready to be a leading right man jennifer was great yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, my friend Kathleen Wilhoyt was in that. Right. I had fun, but you know, I was coming off Platoon. And so it was a huge difference. Yeah. You know, to go from Platoon to that being directed by John Stockwell. In retrospect, I probably should have said no to that movie. Um, and uh, I wasn't always on my best behavior on that one. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Was was that John's first movie? Because like he was like acting. No, he directed because I'll never forget the second AD would always say this. His first movie that he wrote with his partner, Scott Fields, was called Dangerously Close. Okay. And he starred in that, I believe, too, or had a leading role. And that's how he got undercover made because they trusted that he could pull it off, make a low budget movie. Um, So whenever we were getting ready to shoot the uh, second AD would go, we're dangerously close. 
<laughs> get ready. Right. Uh, so I think it was John's second movie and he's gone on to have a successful career yeah. writing and directing and, you know, yeah. good guy. Right. And that came out a little after 21 Jump Street or before? Yeah, it came, it, it came out. I made it because I was friends with Johnny back then. Right. And then he got 21 Jump Street and he's like, yeah, it's kind of like undercover. So it came out a little bit before. Before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so they weren't trying to capitalize on that. It was no, I think it was a little bit before. Other way around. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, right, uh, Hoosiers, which was 36 years ago now? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, 19. We shot it in the fall and winter of 1985. Mm-hmm. And it came out in Christmas 86. Six. So 14, yeah, yeah 36 years yeah. ago. I mean, are you surprised we're still talking about this movie? Yes. Yeah. I mean... I, I don't know what to say. I mean, right. it's kind of luck of the draw. If you're in a movie that people still talk about, yeah. uh, people in Indiana certainly right, of course. You know, still kind of have a big connection to that movie. And uh, the only other movies that uh, are like that, that my friends are involved in are like horror movies. I have okay. a friend, John Philbin, who's in Children of the Corn. He was right. in a lot of other movies. And those people are as attached to right. their movies that they like yeah. as people who like Hoosiers are. Yeah. Like John goes to autograph conventions. Right. I went to one okay. with the Hoosiers boys because right. they were going to try and do a thing and we were unsuccessful. You know, like we went to the autograph convention. It was right. a sports memorabilia convention. Okay. A highlight for me was Joe Namath wanted to meet us. So oh, wow. we got to meet Joe Namath. Right. And we all took a picture with him and uh he said right before the picture now this is in the back area so there's all the athletes milling yeah. around and everybody he said go hoosiers but roll tide because he went to the <laughs> university of right Alabama. yeah yeah and uh we all laughed it was a real pleasure to meet him so oh that's funny yeah I, i'm a huge jet fan but he was a little before my time and so yeah, that yeah. Means i haven't seen a super bowl so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you were the only actor who um didn't yeah, we? I auditioned for it in Los Angeles right. with a bunch of other with me when we had to play basketball at the Beverly Hills Y is the only actor I remember. Uh, but yeah, I just went through the normal process and um, got hired. It was actually the second movie I got hired for. The first movie that I got hired for, I ended up not being able to do because I did Hoosiers. Right. And guess who did the role? Charlie Sheen. Oh. It was it was the juvenile delinquent in the John Hughes movie Ferris Bueller's Day. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, the guy that was stoned and yeah, in the in the, in the, in station, the police, police station. station. Yeah. Yeah. So I really wanted to do that job because yeah. John Hughes hired me on the spot for my audition. Right. I did the audition in character. So like when I went in the office, they said, "You know, David Nydorf, this is John yeah. Hughes. John Hughes, David Nydorf." That was my second callback wow. where I got to meet him yeah. and audition for him. And, and I, you know, he went to shake my hand and I didn't shake his hand. And I kind of looked at him stoned and I said, Hey dude. And he goes, dude, no, that's nice to meet you, Mr. Hughes. And I'm like, whatever. And, and then we went to do the audition right. and I nailed it. Yeah. He goes, that's the first actor who's come in who said the lines the way that I wrote them exactly like in my yeah. head. So I left. I knew I did well. And he came running out of the office and go, David, you got your first job. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, so it was very cool. I called my agent up at the time and, you know, I go, I got my first job. And every actor says that yeah. after a, an audition. Oh, right. I killed it. They're yeah, exactly. So my agent was like, yeah, 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 okay. But let me see. Yeah. Call, call them up and goes, you did get your first job. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up not being able to do it because it was one day of work. Right. And Hoosiers was 10 weeks of work. Yeah. So. Right. Well, I mean, it's either way i mean you know both great movies so it's not like yeah. you you know you went to work on a different movie that you know kind of richard bombed. edson who was in platoon was yeah. all, he played the parking lot attendant. that's right yeah uh he was in ferris bueller's Day. yeah right so. yeah i mean it's like both iconic movies you know completely yeah. different movies but yeah, you know, yeah. I- iconic and it would have been fun that was a good part i mean it was fun yeah. and the, and the funny thing about my audition is jennifer gray was there yeah but I didn't know who she was. Okay. So like when I was auditioning, I was like, cause usually you're doing it with a casting director who's just reading off a paper. Right. And I was like looking at her during my audition and going, wow, this casting director is really getting into it. <laughs> but I was just like fascinated. Yeah. I, you know, it was good for the character. Cause I was just like, wow. Right. Never seen that a casting director get. <laughs> and then I realized like, afterwards, no, that was Jennifer. Gray. Yeah. <laughs> And she at that point, I think she what only like Red Dawn or something like that. Yeah, she had yeah. done like Red Dawn, which yeah. was with Charlie and C. Thomas Howell and all right. those guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. How much basketball uh, did you have like, experience before? So I was never a basketball player, but probably the reason why I could pull it off and got it, I was living with my girlfriend at the time, about two blocks from a park. Okay. And I had gone just to play pickup ball for like six to nine months before that, just to right. get exercise. So like, you know, I had the basics down and yeah. I'm athletic enough. Right. Right. Where you look at me and you go, yeah, he's, hmm. he looks athletic. So if I hadn't done that, you know, it might've been a different story. Right. And plus, you know, like Everett is, I mean, you know, you're like a, uh, power forward type you know you know close to the basket you're not like putting up jumpers like uh, no I, I made one jumper in that movie that was a bank shot right if you watch it again you'll watch me bank it from straight away like an impossible shot yeah. that's the kind of shooter i was all those other guys were really good basketball players right. i was definitely the worst basketball player of all the guys yeah for sure right but but you were the actor, so that's yeah. That makes sense. I mean, they I had a little bit more to do in terms of like you know I had an emotional scene, right? And his opera in the hospital, so uh, that was intentional on Angelo and David's part, right? Right? Like they he tried to design the movie so that there wasn't a lot of heavy lifting on the on the players. players now, right. he, I think he said on record since then if he had known how good the boys were going to do he would have given them more to do yeah right yeah acting wise right so everett was the only part you auditioned for then yeah yeah i mean i auditioned for everett i don't remember yeah i auditioned for everett yeah Yeah. right and you know like I've heard, you know, obviously uh, director talk about uh, his experience with Gene Hackman, who I guess was yeah. a, a little cranky on set, to say the and least. And Barbara Hershey <laughs> right. was really unhappy because, yeah. you know, she's a very, very good actress, right. but uh, her role was secondary. It was. Even though she's the so-called romantic lead, which they didn't like each other. Yeah. So they had a hard time <laughs> right. with their chemistry. 
you know, she was unhappy because a lot of her stuff, like when there was a basketball game, she has to sit in the stands with the extras and they're going to get one shot of her reaction to the game or looking at Gene Hackman. That's not a lot to do. Right. And she was, you know, a little uh, unhappy about it. But, you know, that didn't, like when we were making it, like we're running around playing basketball. Basketball, yeah. It didn't bother. Like we didn't. Right. Okay, you're unhappy. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're still gonna run around and have fun and play. Of course. Ball. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> we were young. I mean, to us, it was all like being in the circus. It was all right. like a traveling circus. Yeah. It was just fun. Right. right. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the highlights now I just flashed when you said is we got they gave us tickets to go see a. Pacers game back then. Oh, nice. Okay. And Danny Ainge had been um, traded from the Celtics to the Sacramento Kings. So That's he right. was playing on the Kings. And when he was walking out the tunnel, because they all were Celtics fans, they were, you know, we okay. used to tease each other. I was a Lakers fan. Right. We were Celtics fans. <laughs> so they loved Danny Ainge. But when he was walking out the tunnel after the game, we like all shouted at him, hey, we're the Hoosiers kids. Because they had been, you know, promoting. <laughs> Yeah, the movie on local news and all right. that they're making it. Everyone knew about the movie being made. Right, it's a big deal because it's in Indiana. Yeah, and he was so nice. He stopped, yeah. talked to us for like a minute or so. Right, it was it was a re- it was fun. So there was a lot of experiences like that. Right, and I'm sure like you've probably heard from other athletes since then uh, about the movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people like it. Some people, you know, it's not their cup of tea. But uh, yeah, most people like it. Most yeah. people, the the people that tend to like it are either now younger children that uh, you know my kids are friends with, right? Right, they're ten or eleven year old boys like it, or fifty yeah. something year old dudes who remember when right. they saw it when it first yeah. came out, and so they get they act like little kids when they see me even though I look really different yeah. and I'm just a normal guy to them, it's a big deal. Like, right. you know, it brings them back to that moment when they saw it and they liked it. Yeah. How much interaction did you have with uh, first Dennis Hopper on set? And then Gene, uh, you know, he was much more user-friendly than Gene. And we uh, went out with him socially one time, mm-hmm. I remember um, to a bar. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a lot, yeah. but he, he was easy to relate to. Right. Much easier to relate to. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he's a, he's a, Gene is not the most generous actor. Gene is focused on Gene, okay. which is fine. Some actors yeah. are like that. Right. You know, it's hard to figure out if it's your first movie and you're dealing yeah. with someone so famous and accomplished like Gene and kind yeah. of understand how that all works. But, uh, yeah, Dennis is more generous as an actor. He was yeah. fun to work with in the hospital scene and, uh, you know, supportive. Yeah. And a right. good guy. yeah. Now, was Gene, like, knowledgeable about basketball at all? No. No, nothing. Not really. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to keep his interest level up, he had an interesting technique. He would never learn his lines until right before he had to do them. He'd go, okay, okay. give me a minute. And he'd go into his trailer or off right. to the side and he'd read through his lines because he wanted that excitement because he'd made so many movies at that point. Right. Being on the edge of, can I pull this off? And it worked for him. You know, like Gene, oh. Gene 
team style works for gene you know it's yeah. not always comfortable for other people but right yeah you know and i i'm not saying anything the other the other boys are are midwestern boys so you won't catch them saying what i'm yeah. telling you right <laughs> only people you know they call him mr hackman we never called him mr hackman on set they call okay. him mr hackman now i'm like right you know if Gene wants to be mad at me or anyone wants to be mad at me, then they can be mad at Angelo and David too, because those guys are finally telling the truth. Right. And, you know, like I can tell you an anecdote. I will tell you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) When we did the final shot that Jimmy makes. Right. So that was before CGI computer graphics. So they had to have real bodies in the seats. They couldn't get them. Yeah. So they had to do a radio promo. Okay. We'll give you raffles. We'll give you this. We'll give you free lunch. All this stuff. They got like a 500 people or a thousand people to show up. Not a lot. Like say right. 500. They have to shoot it. If you look, they'll shoot it from a very strange angles. And when they come across, they keep the camera low so you can't see that the the stands are right. empty. So when so we had all that pressure. We knew we were only going to get those people for one day. No one's coming back for day two. Yeah. When Jimmy was warming up, when Maris was warming up to take the shot, he couldn't hit the rim. He couldn't come close. Right. The crowd was restless. So they started jeering him. They started booing him every time he would miss a shot. Right. And we're looking over at Maris and we're just going, man, this is going to be a long day. And when they did the first take, it was pure magic. Mars, that's the first take you're looking at. Wow. And he drained the shot. Yeah. And the people spontaneously came out of the stands (laughs) and celebrated with us on the court. Now, we had been told before, when that happens, go find Gene and go run over to Gene and celebrate with Gene. So the crowd comes down. We're all like, we're legitimately surprised and happy and celebrating because Mars made the shot. Right. And we go over to Gene. Now, remember, the cameras are really far away, so they can't really see everything, right? Like, they're far away. And when we go up to Gene and the crowd's all around us and we try and jump on him and celebrate, he he keeps his mouth closed, but he goes, get off me. Get the fuck off me. (laughs) And we're like, whoa. Oh, jeez. So then we move away and watch yeah. the movie. Then we move away. Right. And we celebrate together. We're like, all right, whatever. What are you going to do? Screw him. We're going to yeah. celebrate. So that, those are the kind of things like, you know, I bet if Gene had to do it over again, he wouldn't be wound so tight. Right. He wouldn't be wound so tight. Yeah. And he did it on Mississippi Burning. I, I, weren't, I warned Willem because Willem and, you know, we were in yeah. a little bit of contact after Platoon and he was right. going to do Mississippi Burning. And I said, well, watch out for Gene sometimes because he's yeah. going to get so pissed. Right. You're not going to recognize him. And he did. And Willem told me there was like a day where oh, Gene wow. just lost his cookies. And he didn't. But, you know, yeah. Willem's a big boy. So right. Like, Willem yeah. King, like when you act, not everyone gets along. Yeah. You, you have to yeah. be a professional. Right, of course. You know, and if you have a small role, like I always had small roles, pretty much, you got to know your place in the pecking order. I, I can't, you know, unless someone's going to physically assault me, when you're at the bottom of the food chain, yeah, you can't really say anything. You got to take it. Yeah, you got to take it. You yeah, take it. right. You so think? And you got to yeah. focus on your own stuff. Of course. Yeah, yeah. 
You think Gene, in the grand scheme of things, is, is like proud of that movie? It's a good question because in some ways it supplanted like French Connection. Right. And Superman. And Bonnie and Clyde. Right. The Conversation. Like all yeah. these iconic movies right. in the 60s and 70s that he was in. And you ask people about Gene Hackman and a lot of people remember him for Hoosiers. Yeah. But it, I don't know the answer to it. I know he... He thought it was going to be an embarrassment right. to him. And it turned out that people are talking about it all these years later. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah. Were you like, even when it, I mean, we're still talking about it now. So, I mean, obviously the legacy, but when it first came out, were you surprised about the reaction of the movie? Yes, yeah. for sure. I, uh, you know, they both came out at the same time. So I still have in my little scrap box thing, a page in the LA Times where there was a full page ad for Platoon and a full page ad for Hoosiers on mm. um, right opposite right. each other, which I saved. Yeah. And they were both getting very good press. So yeah, that was surprising, a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. You know, I was a little bit shy. Right. Yeah, you know, all the talking about it, like this, I can do now. You seem like a nice guy. I'm happy to talk with you now. You are a nice guy. Yeah. Um, but back then, and even now, I'm not big on talking about it. I can do it, and, right. you know, yeah. but it's not my thing, generally. Right. How often does it come up, like, in your life now? Uh, I get, what's funny is I'll get autograph requests. I just so, signed a Hoosiers poster that he's gotten okay. everyone to sign. Right. Like, I'll hold it okay. up. Like, I'll sign whatever anybody yeah. wants me to sign. Right. Uh, I jokingly... Um, I make a joke that my autograph is worth $2.50 because it's tops baseball cards right. made like these cards and they made one of me Okay. that they wanted to put in these special packs, you know, like I'm a yeah. filler card, but like, if you get a Kevin Costner card, yeah. you're, you're stoked, right? right? You got a yeah. Kevin Costner card, but they, but they don't want to give you, you know, they want to make you keep buying the packs until of course. you get this yeah. Kevin Costner card. The comments. So I have yeah. like, they, they paid me like $1,300 and I signed like 700 cards, yeah. you know, that they could put in these packs right. and offer. So, and then they gave me like an extra box. I said, well, just give me an extra box of cards. Yeah. So people will send me those cards to sign and mm. stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Did you enjoy playing baseball more or basketball more during the uh well i became a basketball player right after the movie at the hollywood y and i played for like 10 12 years so i had okay. much more fun playing basketball right um when i was younger i was probably a better baseball player than a basketball player i was a pretty good baseball player right yeah because in you pitched a little bit too in undercover as well yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> i can pull it off i think charlie sheen was a pitcher in high yeah. school too at Santa Monica High School and a real avid baseball fan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever like when Major League was trying to like, you know, cast, was there any interest in that one for you? No, probably I did not get called in for that. Yeah. That was with Tom and Charlie, right? Yeah. Major League. Yeah. No, I mean, sometimes what they'll tell you, I mean, they hire who they want to hire. Right, right. But like for Good Morning Vietnam, we were specifically told no one from Platoon. Platoon in audition okay but yet barry levinson cast forest that's Whitaker. true yeah and i'm not sure if richard edson was in that too in a very small part but i know that forest yeah was for sure right so you know they said well no one from platoon if they want you they want you right Forrest. 
but you know, and I might have been, I don't, can't remember. I think I might have auditioned for that, and then, and then they saw I was in Platoon, and they said no. No, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't going to get a job in That's Right. They just make an excuse. Yeah. Of course, so, yeah. yeah. Were you, out of all the players, were you kind of the least skilled one? On, on in the, baseball? No, I'm sorry, in, in basketball, in the Hoosiers. In, yes, definitely. definitely. I, uh, you, you nailed my position right. I'm kind of a power forward. Yeah. And so, like... I like to bang around. I like to use my body and I get rebounds and play good defense, but I can't shoot very well. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was right. the least skilled. I mean, Steve Holler won one who played raid. Yeah. He won the high school championship, the state okay. tournament. Uh, and he made the winning free throws and okay. the other guys, you know, all played in high school and had right. good runs and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I was definitely the least talented. Wow. Okay. And the whole like fight scene in the sectional game, was that kind that of fun to fun. shoot? That was fun to that shoot. That was really yeah. fun to shoot. So when I get slammed into the trophy case, right. that is made out of a fake glass. Right. It's made out of like, it's like sugar or something. Sugar like that. water. Yeah. It, like, and it doesn't cut you, but it, it, it's itchy and it scratches you when you in. And the first take I did it. So they shot, like they had a bunch of cameras going at the same time. Mm one of them in slow motion right when right. i hit the case and the first take i totally screwed up because as i was going into the case and you see it mm. i saw it in slow motion at the dailies right. you see my my mouth is mouthing the f word yeah <laughs> they're like david you can't no. say that. yeah <laughs> you can't say anything right you go into the case and it hurts yeah <laughs> so but it was a lot of fun because yeah. there was like frame the guy had to run me in in the right place because I didn't want to hit my head yeah. on the wooden frame and stuff. And that was that, that stuff is really fun to shoot because right. we did it like probably three or four times. It's an elaborate setup, but it's a lot of fun. Right. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then uh, Ollie's two three throws. Did he nail yes. those on the first take? I can't remember. Yeah. He's a very good guy. He was a very good right. basketball player. Like his yeah. high school team. I forget who the guy was, but he went on to play D1 at either okay. Missouri or Indiana, right. like a real legitimate yeah. 6'8 basketball player. I can't remember. Wade was a really good uh, player. I can't remember. I mean, it was exciting, and that was his big moment. Yeah. You know, I know he milked it. He's kind of a ham. <laughs> right. He was my roommate. They paired us up in okay. the hotel we were staying in Indianapolis. And he was my roommate, so I know Wade oh, that's cool. pretty well. Right, that's cool. And then with with Bull Durham, obviously you got like a smaller role, so I'm sure just you're pretty much hanging out like I was hanging out and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. we we would play. There were a bunch of minor leaguers from the Brave system who they got to be extras and for the opposing teams and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And they they didn't have anything to do either, really. Like you know, mm -hmm. it takes hours to set up the camera. And right. In those hours, you got to be there and all dressed in your uniform, but you're not really doing much. No. So we would play like they would teach, you know, we play like baseball, golf, and yeah. stuff like that. I didn't, right. I, you're right. I was there for six weeks and my stuff could have been done in three days. Yeah. It was just the nature of how they scheduled it. Right. So, like the scene that where I get cut from the team, they kept putting it off and putting it off shooting because mm. it's like a small scene. Right. And then finally they got to it late one night 
right? Like I went out to the set three nights in a row, got all geared up. And then they're like, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. I get out there. I get geared up. It's like 930 at night. People are bone tired. They've been working all day. And uh, Robert Wall didn't want to stay off camera. There's a courtesy. <laughs> Trey Wilson was alive then. He played the manager. Phenomenal right. actor. And when we're doing it, Robert Wall wanted to go home. There's a courtesy, like when you act with another person, the camera actually that's filming you, the actor stands right next to the camera. So you're looking at them. And because you got to act with an actor, a human being, not just right. the camera. So I insisted that I was like, I didn't particularly like Robert Wall that much. So okay. I was like, I told the director, no, he has to stay. Like, that's just... yeah not right you know i'm not going to act to just trey wilson he's standing right. over there he has to give me a sideline and that's just the way it is but uh finally we did that scene and it was my uh note to if you watch again when i walk into the office instead of walking all the way in i said i just want to peek my head through the door because i know already i'm getting cut so physically i don't want to enter the office right right because i know what's about to happen yeah so like you can make little choices like that as an actor that the audience likes but they don't know why they like it like right you know why they it, like what you yeah want. so it that's be, the job of the actor is right. to flesh out all those little yeah moments right they, they can relate to it but just don't know why <laughs> you know right yeah exactly. it's a behavioral thing if you're right. like you have to think as an actor okay i'm walking in i haven't been playing that well why does the manager want to see me now? Yeah. Nothing good is going to come from this. Exactly. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to go be at the, you know, work in a grocery market now. Yeah. It's all bad. Right. I don't want to go on that often. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I, yeah, Dave, this was fantastic. I really appreciate your time sure. today. I appreciate you sharing these stories and yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. Thank you very much for having me, Nolan. I wish you the best of luck in the future. And a special thanks to David for joining me today. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the personal one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Just on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.